So I'm going to go through these ABCs of being a father. You can either write them down or you can come and get this piece of paper and copy them or you can just ignore it, whatever way you want to do with it. And then I'll get on with the message. Uh, ABCs of being a father, we're going to go through them really quickly. A, always trust them to God's care. B, bring them to church. C, challenge them to high goals. D, delight in their achievements. E, exalt the Lord in their presence. F, frown on evil. G, give them love. H, hear their problems. I, ignore not their childish fears. Joy, excuse me, J is joyfully accept their apologies. K, keep their confidence. L, live a good example before them. M, make them your friends. N, never ignore their endless questions. O, open your home to their visits. P, pray for them by name. Q, quicken your interest in their spirituality. R, remember their needs. S, show them the way to salvation. T, teach them to work. Hello? U, understand they are still young, and that includes even after they're adults. I have to remind myself about that all the time. My son's 30, and I'm just like, you know what? He's still, he's still working on it. He does a good job, though. All right, V, verify your statements. They have to understand you. W, wean them from bad company. I think a lot of people were weaned away from me when I was growing up. X, expect them to obey. E-X, E-big expect them. Y, yearn for God's best for them. And then finally, Z is zealously guide them in biblical truth. So if you want those to pass on to your grandkids or whatever to help them be good fathers and grandfathers, then I'll, I'll let you uh, make a copy of it. Take it home with you. I think it's good, good advice, all of it. Uh, today, we're going to continue with what we started last week. Take courage, walking with Jesus in the middle of storms, right? Last week, uh, uh, we talked about an actual storm. This week, it's, we're not going to talk about a storm, but we are going to talk about how we are to walk in our life as Christians. And I think if we focus on how we are to walk this Christian life, it will automatically ap apply to the times when things are not so great, right? Whether it's a storm of life, personally, personal storms, or family storms, or social storms, or worldwide storms, whatever is going on, if we follow what the Scripture teaches us as far as walking in Christ, I don't see how we can lose, all right? All right, right there, just so, before we get started, right there was a perfect time for y'all to just yell out, amen. All right, I know y'all been on vacation for a few weeks from sitting in here, <laughs> and that's, I'm mean, a few months, excuse me, but it's okay. And we got the live stream going, that, nope, everybody's going to hear you, it's okay to say amen. It's okay to get excited about what the Lord's doing. I'm going to go through this verse one, we're going to go through several verses today, and I'm going to break it down. I'm not, I usually I read the whole thing, but I don't want to do that, I want to read verse by verse as we go through. So verse 1 of chapter 4, right? Is that what I got up there? No, here we go. 
Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because he who is, has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Right? Everybody wants to live in the will of God. I would say if I asked people that, who are believers at least, maybe even some non-believers would say, yeah, I want, I want to live in the will of God. Seems like a common thing that most of us would want. But do we really understand what that means, right? Because we have to understand, okay, we live in a world right now that there is a lot of suffering going on. So much so that I think each one of us are affected in some way by the sufferings of what's going on in the world and the sufferings of what's going on around us and even other people's suffering is affecting all of us. Pick whatever's going on in the world and you, you can apply that to, right? However, we have to think, we have to focus on who we're trying to be like, who we're trying to follow, what we're, what we're about as Christians, right? We need to focus on Jesus always. Keep our eyes on Jesus. I think, uh, I think it was last week we were talking about Peter walking on the water with Jesus, and he took his eyes off of Jesus. I'm going to pause. Can, can somebody close the doors? Because I can hear everything that's going on down there. That would be helpful. Thank you. So, so we keep our eyes on Jesus, right? We keep our eyes on what is going on in the kingdom of God and what the Spirit of God is doing in our lives so that we can do what? Love people and love God. Make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Thank you all. That's what we're called to do. That's who we are. That's, that's why Jesus died on the cross, so that we can be a part of the kingdom of God. By the way, I'm I might say this again, but whatever's going on in the kingdom of God is way bigger than anything that could ever go on in this world. All of whatever goes on in this world put together is not bigger than the kingdom of God and what he's got going. So why wouldn't we want to focus on that? Why wouldn't we want to be putting our energy into what that is? So you look at verse 1, and he says, uh, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, that, first off, that tells me that, okay, if Jesus suffered, then who am I to think I shouldn't suffer from time to time, especially for the gospel? All right, so keeping the perspective, he says, Arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Why, it always comes down to us adjusting our attitude, doesn't it? It's never, it's never, it's never something else. It's like, it's, I get frustrated sometimes because I'm like, I talk to God, I'm like, God, when can it be that I don't have to make the adjustment? Some, let somebody else make the adjustment. It's frustrating. But it's because God's always helping me grow. He's always stretching me where he wants me to be so that I can be the best I can be for him. And he's doing the same for you. And sometimes he does that in the middle of suffering and hardship and challenging situations, confusing situations. That's why I left uh, on, the first, on the first slide, that's why I left it to be taken, take courage. Because it takes a lot of courage to be who you are in Christ when everything in the world is trying to get your attention. Everything in the world is trying to get you to be afraid and to be fearful and to shrink back and to not stand firm in what you know is true about Jesus. Right? And it's real easy for us to get discouraged 
about our spiritual life when we know that we're not standing as firm as we want to stand or we're a little bit afraid or a lot afraid or worrisome and we start believing that we're failing as Christians, which is a lie from Satan, by the way. That's what he wants you to believe so that you'll shrink back. So we take courage, and here's how we do it. We have the same attitude as Jesus had. Jesus knew that he was here to suffer for the sake of me and you, for the sake of the ones that God loves. Why on earth would we ever believe anything different about our mission? if we're going to follow Christ? Why on earth would we ever believe that this Christian life is going to be smooth sailing all the time? The good, the good news, by the way, is even in the middle of our suffering, God knows how to bless us. We can, be, we can suffer and be blessed at the same time. I think that's amazing. And I praise God for it because I don't know if I can survive the suffering without the blessings of God. Namely, his presence in my life, his presence in my heart, his strength to, to, to be able to be courageous in working for the gospel. So he says, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about, hey, I'm not going to be that sinner person I used to be. I've made a commitment to Christ, to the body of Christ, to, to God. I've made a commitment so I could receive this forgiveness. Right? And, and I think I've said this before, that sin is not something that turns our stomach. That's why we do it, because we, it's something that we like, or something that we think we want, or something we think we need. So we have to sacrifice, repentance is sacrifice, like, you know, I'm not going to live like that anymore. And I can tell you this, just to be completely honest with y'all, I've been, it is hard not to go back to the old ways with some of the stuff that's going on. But I love God more. we got to love God more than we get frustrated or mad. Right? So we have to suffer through that. We have to suffer through what we're working through. We have to suffer through the things that we think aren't right in the world so that we can get beyond all of that so that we can be in a position to love people, including the people that are causing the suffering, right? That's a good place to say amen as well. Verse 2 says, as a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather the will of God. If I was going to put a title on this message, it's to the Christian and say, we choose not to participate. We can choose not to participate in the wickedness that goes on in the world. Regardless of what's going on. Regardless of everything is perfect. But we all know that even before what's obvious going on, there's always been the world trying to pull us away from God and trying to pull us into sin and trying to tell us this is right and that's right and when we know it's not right, when we know it doesn't honor God. We've been, we've been preaching about it for years. We've been, uh, people have been preaching about it since before my time. Before your time, the battle, uh, the battle between good and evil has been going on since Adam and Eve, <laughs> right? 
The mission hasn't ever changed. Circumstances in our lives have changed from time to time. Our opinions about those circumstances will definitely change from time to time. I'm not telling you not to have feelings. I'm not telling you to not to acknowledge whatever feelings you have these days. All I'm saying is, if Jesus can suffer because God loves us, then we ought to suffer because God loves people too. If we really want to make disciples. If we really want to love people the way Jesus did. Right? The result is we're living for the will of God. Going to uh, verse 3 now. 3 through 5. Go read through this real quick. He says, For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Sinners choose to sin. Ungodly people choose sin. They want sin. And I use the word they really loosely because it used to be we before we repented. Make sense? Before I was saved, before I said no to the sinful life and self and yes to Jesus, I was one of these. So how dare I look at another person and make judgment on their sinful behavior? You have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, and then he goes through the list, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, in the te- uh, carousing and detestable idolatry. I think that's a short list, by the way. Verse 4 says, they think it's strange. Look at, listen to this right here. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. Now, if, if we're paying attention... Now, I've always preached in the past that we, we live in America and we don't really have the persecution that a lot of other churches around the world do for, for just for saying you believe that Jesus is the Christ. And I think that used to be true, but I think if we're paying attention, it's slowly creeping in right now. And we need to be aware of what's going on. Not so that we can get involved in the debate and point the fingers and participate in the the wickedness that goes on in the world so that we can protect ourselves and arm ourselves with the same attitude that Jesus armed himself with and be ready to stand firm and continue to suffer when it's called on. This is the Christian life. And the world is going to point at the Christian and and, and try to get you to participate. They're going to do everything they can do to get you to retaliate. And participate in the backbiting and the gnashing of teeth and the sinful activities which come from Satan. And that's not who we are. That's not what Jesus died for. No matter how right we are and no matter how justified we are about our emotions, God calls us to love people. So we have to put that down somehow, don't we? I'm with y'all. I want to be sitting down there listening to this with y'all because it's hard. So he says, but verse 5, he says, but they will have, <laughs> here, here it is, they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. It's right there. I think I got it right there on the bottom. They, you see the word they up there a bunch of times? We have a bad habit, we the Christians, we have a bad habit of talking about sinners using the word they as if we're not like them. The only difference between us and them is we said yes to Jesus and we get to be forgiven. They can do the same, but it's their choice, isn't it? So why wouldn't we love them 
Maybe they'll get an opportunity one more time to say yes to Jesus and leave this foolish life of sinful activity. Because it says they will, have, they will give an account. Every person who has ever lived has or will stand before God, Almighty God, and give an account for the way that they live their life. And, and too many times we, the church, the body of Christ, the believers, we, we, we hear that and we're like, yeah, that's, they need to know that. They need to know that God's going to judge them. So if, if that's our attitude, then how are we going to explain that thought to God when we stand before him? How are we going to say to God what, what we meant by saying that about them? Because that's not the attitude that Jesus took. That's not the attitude that uh, Jesus had when these same type of people were beating him and spitting on him and calling him names and trying to get him to react in a way that proved that he wasn't and isn't Jesus the Christ. It amazes me that he stood there and didn't say a word while all of that was happening to him and he was suffering so great. And then I think about the times when I'm suffering and a complaint comes out about it. And then I got to go spend time with God. Praise God that the door's open for repentance and forgiveness, right? I don't know how many times I've gone, gone through that door in a day. Any time in my life. But we can praise God that it's there. He's there for us. He wants us to be forgiven. He does not want us to stand in his judgment and be gone from him for eternity. And if we don't have the attitude that's like Jesus' attitude where we're willing to suffer for what God's kingdom is about, then we will surely fail. Verse 6 says, For this reason, for, for this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. There's a, several different ideas of what Peter was meaning in this verse. And I'm not, I don't really... Uh, have a lot of time to break it down basically what he's saying is every person that's ever lived and ever will live will know that Jesus is the Christ right the, the ones that we read about in Hebrews chapter 11 who were faithful to God and passed away before the cross left this world before the cross Jesus made it known to them once he was resurrected from the dead, it was made known to them that he is the Christ. Every, every, Judas, every person you can think of, there's no one going to stand before God and say, I didn't realize he was, the, I didn't know. I didn't have no way to know. This is why Jesus said, go into the world and make disciples, because there's people in the world that need to hear this. I personally, I don't even, I think I needed, there was like several hundred times somebody tried to explain it to me before I ever got saved. Here we go. <laughs> By the way, just because uh, sinners will stand before God, we, we can understand that we also will stand before God. And we do not want surprises. We don't want to believe something about ourselves that is not true. We can't say that we're uh, believers in Jesus. We can't say that we're members of the body of Christ and we represent the kingdom of God and then do what the world does. It doesn't work that way. 
We have to be different. We have to show people what it means to love, which I think is the biggest issue today, isn't it? If you think about it, everybody's fighting about not being loved. And it's the church that should be showing the world how to love each other. The problem is, is the church is made up of people. (laughs) And we all have the challenge of trying to get through all of this. Thank God for Jesus and his spirit that lives in our hearts, that gives us what we need to get it done. Look at this verse 7, y'all. The end of all things is near. I've been thinking about that verse since Tuesday, specifically. Mostly because it's like, am I going to, am I going to, I wish I could dress up in black and white and preach like the old-timey preacher then, right then in verse (laughs) 7. Right? Because back in the day, that's what they preached. It was hellfire and brimstone. Repent or you're going to hell because Jesus is coming. That was the way it was preached. And it's true. And sometime between then and now, we've kind of softened it up and said, well, God loves you and he just wants you to be happy. Well, those things are true, but that's not the gospel. The gospel is is Jesus is coming back. We don't know when that's going to be, and we need to get right. We need to get right. Because the end of all things is near. We, We love where we live. We love who we are. We love everything about the world that God blessed us with. As far as being an American and being in this country and whatever freedoms that come with that. And we should love those things. But if it's all taken away, will it change your Christian life? Will it change where you stand with God? Will it change how you love people? Will it change? Because here's the fact. Nothing about this world will last forever. Not even the breath that's going in and out of your lungs or mine. Maybe, maybe the church needed a reminder. Maybe that's what the Lord might be doing in all of this. You ever think about it? You ever think about what the Lord might be doing? Think about why he's allowing this to happen? What he's trying to get us to learn? I think we would do good to try to seek that out. So he says, the end of all things is near in verse 7. He says, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled. Duh. Finish that word. Self-controlled. I got to tell you, self-control to me is very difficult when I'm stressed out. I hope you all are the same. Otherwise, I'm just standing here by myself. (laughs) But being clear-minded is, to me, personally, is way more difficult. Because I'm a thinker. And I ponder things a lot. And sometimes overthink and then begin to worry and fear and anxieties and frustrations and anger come in and it's there. And then suddenly there's this storm cloud of thoughts going on and I can't even recognize the Spirit of God when He's leading me in the middle of that. And ultimately I will lose self-control if I stay there. Make sense? So we, we have to depend on God in this. So He says, be clear-minded and self-control. Why? So that you can pray. 
people, uh, people have been communicating with me since uh, the beginning of this year, really, really since the virus became known here. And the, the question is, the simple question is, has been asked several times, what are we going to do? How do we do this? What's going on? What's God doing? How do we live through this? How do we be Christians? How do we do whatever? I don't, I, the preacher doesn't know. So I'm going to tell you to pray and ask God what to do. Y'all, y'all get that? It's not that I don't care about you and I don't want you to ask me. I'm saying, I'm going to lead you to, I'm just going to, let's go ask God because I don't know. And w- the only way we're going to go ask God and get a real answer is if we are clear-minded and self-controlled. And we're not sucked into what's going on in the wickedness of the world. Because we've armed ourselves with the attitude of Jesus. All right, y'all? That's the only way. That's the only way to honor God. That's the only way to persevere. Perseverance is the key for the Christian life. You don't have to be sprinting across the finish line when, when God calls you home. You don't, you don't even have to be walking. You could be barely crawling and wounded spiritually and dying. Feel like it's over and you just get across the line and God's going to say, well done. Because you didn't quit. And you didn't give up. And you trusted him. No matter how bad it got. No matter how hard it was. No matter how much suffering you had to endure. Because let's think about this honestly. How much, where's the line Right? When we're comp- if we're going to be Christians and we're going to hold ourselves up to the only standards that we should hold ourselves up to, which is Christ, where's the line of suffering that I'm going to be not willing to suffer anymore? When I'm looking at Jesus. When I'm looking at what he did and how much he suffered for me so that I can be with God forever, my Father. Where, where's my line? When am I going to say it's not worth suffering anymore for for people to know God? It's not worth it anymore. I hope I never find that line. I hope you never find a line like that. I hope that you you will be clear-minded enough and you uh, you will be armed with the attitude of Christ to the point where no matter how bad it is to be the Christian and to love people, with God's strength you'll continue on. Sometimes it hurts to love people. Sometimes you don't get loved back. But Jesus loved us even when we all said crucify him. So then we go on to verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. Right? Now the young people... They like, to, they like to have this slang, right? And they don't even finish the whole word sometimes. And sometimes guys do this because they have problems saying they love their wife, right? If you've got that problem, ask God to help you get, it over, get over that because you need to tell your wife you love her. But sometimes kids, they say, I love you. They don't even say the whole word. Love you. <laughs> That's not deep love, y'all. That is not deep love. That's just like I'm only saying it because I have to because I don't want you to be mad at me. I really do love you, but I just can't say it out loud. And the only way you're going to love people deeply is if you love God deeply. 
The only way you're going to genuinely love people as deep as Jesus did is if you genuinely love God deeply. If he's everything in your world. If you, if you live with this, with this uh, reverence for, for God the Father, that if, if, if he chose not to love me, where would I be? But yet have the same confidence that he would never stop loving me. Then you look at people and you start to see people the way God sees people. I can tell you this right now. There's not a person in this world that God doesn't look at and love. Not one person. He does, I can promise you, he does, there's a lot of things about all of us that he doesn't like. That we do, that we have in our hearts. But deep down, what he created, he loves. That's why Jesus died on the cross the way he did. So love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Love gets us past what we don't like about each other. Love gets us past what we can't forgive about each other. Because we're not God. We can't, we can't forgive like God does. However, Jesus told us that we can't be forgiven if we don't forgive. <laughs> this is why we need Jesus, y'all. Because what he's called us to do and what Jesus died to, for us to do, what the Holy Spirit is here to help us do, we cannot do without him. And I got to tell you, it is stressful to be angry all the time. It's stressful to hate all the time. It's stressful to hold grudges your whole life. It is not healthy. It's not how we were designed. We are designed to love. And the more we love, the healthier we are, physically, mentally, and spiritually. It's all about that. So then he says, uh, offer hospitality, verse 9. Offer hospitality to one, to one another without grumbling. Hello? You couldn't do it. <laughs> You try, I know you tried. I heard you trying. You were like, hey, man. You couldn't do it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one thing to hold a door open for somebody at the, at the store or at the gas station, right? That's, hospi that's hospitable, right? And it's another thing that when somebody comes to your house, you invite them in, you see what they want, whatever. But when somebody comes to your house that has insulted you or, or hates you, this Bible is telling us that we are to be hospitable. And do it without complaining. You, you remember when you were kids and you, if, if you have a sibling, your, your parents like tell you to quit fighting and make you make up, make you hug? Like, whatever, I don't want to do that. That's grumbling. God doesn't want us to oh, go love my neighbor. You can have some barbecue, but don't take that piece. Right? That's not, that's not hospitality. That's not godly hospitality. <laughs> All right, do it without grumbling. Why? Because we have love in our hearts. We've, had, we've armed ourselves with the attitude of Christ. Whenever you get tempted to grumble about what God is leading you to do in loving someone else, just think about Jesus on the cross or anywhere in between his arrest and his crucifixion. Not one time did he grumble. Not one time. In fact, he looked in his mama's eyes and said, look, I'm making everything new. <laughs> I'm making everything right. He was excited to suffer for me and you. 
Why? Because he knew it was the Father's will. And he knew it had to be done because he loves you. Verse 10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace. Faithfully administering God's grace. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to admit to you probably something you already know. I can be, at times, a person who needs extra grace offered. I know she's all shocked. My wife's all shocked about that. <laughs> Sometimes I just need for y'all to offer me a little bit more grace because I'm just not getting it right. Maybe sometimes it's because I don't want to get it right, and I'm struggling with that, and the Lord's got to get me fixed, right? But if everybody abandoned me every time I was difficult to love, I wouldn't have any friends at all. That's not the way Jesus lived. Finally, here we are. Verse, let's finish up with this right here. See, because we don't do uh, church service the way that we did before the shutdown, I get extra time. Just messing, just messing. <laughs> Verse 11. All right, I want you all to go back this evening and just read this together with your family tonight, chapter 4. Just reread it together. Pray about it. Ask God what, what your family can do for him. Verse, verse 11 says, If anyone speaks, good Lord, I hope, we, I hope we all hear this. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. There is, a, there is a lot of talking going on in the world today. Wouldn't y'all agree with that? The church is expected to speak the words of God and nothing else. Back to self-control, right? And clear-mindedness. If anyone, if anyone serves, he should do it with what? The strength God provides. Whew. The pressure's off, y'all. Because what God's asking us to do, he's going to do it for us. We just need to submit to him. We just need to turn ourselves over to resign. Okay, whatever the Lord's will is, let's do that. And then let it happen. And be ready to come in here on Sunday morning and give praise to God for the things that he's done all week. Not just for you, but for everyone else around you because of that. With the strength that God provides, take that to the bank, y'all. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ to him, be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. The end is near, y'all. I've never been an end times preacher because God's called me to preach the gospel about Jesus and salvation. Preach the Bible. When the Bible talks about end times, I'll talk about it. But I got to tell you, when things are tough and seem to be out of control, it's hard not to think about Jesus coming back. It's hard not to know, is Jesus coming back? Is he going to wait another thousand years? And God's telling me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change what you're supposed to do. It doesn't change who you are in Christ. If you only got a few more minutes to love one more person, then do that with all your might and all your soul. But if you got the rest of 
whatever God gives you, 30, 40 years, I think I'm, I'm pushing 50. Not quite there yet. I got another year or so. I know, I'm a young guy. But what if the Lord gives me 30 more years? That's 30 more years I get to preach the gospel, maybe? That's 30 more years I get to love people? 30 more years I get to try to help people understand that Jesus is the Christ? 30 more years I get to live in a world of lost people that need Jesus, and I get to be a part of the kingdom of God with God's help. But it's also 30 more years of suffering for Christ, putting myself down and making it about God. Verse 12 and 13, did I put that on there? Yeah, there it is. Verse 12 and 13 says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. <laughs> but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when the glory is revealed, when his glory is revealed. You can read the rest of uh, 1 Peter and even in some in 2 Peter and you can see where he's talking about how uh, he's talking about how even the pagans, the sinners, the ones who reject Christ, the ones who say, I don't need Jesus, or I don't believe that Jesus is real, even they are going to glorify God in the end. Even the ones who look at me and you and say, you're a fool for believing that Jesus is the Christ, when Jesus finally does come back and he shows up on the scene, their behavior will glorify God. You say, how does that happen? It's because they're going to be proven wrong. Their behavior is going to be put into light. And no one will be able to deny that God is God and Jesus is the Christ. The biggest problem with all of that is, is at that point it will be too late for those who have not given themselves over to his grace. So we can either focus on... Uh, the sorrows and the heartaches and the anger and the bitterness and the anxieties and everything that comes with whatever we feel right now. We can focus on that, or we can arm ourselves with the attitude of Christ and make as many disciples as we can make until Jesus comes back. I would suggest, suggest the latter. <laughs> I would encourage you to do that. I'm going to try my best, and with y'all's help and prayers and, and partnership, we're going to do the best we can here at Oak Grove. And God will get the glory. This is The church ought to be, it's like Sunday morning, we ought, to, we ought to be like praising the Lord like there's no problems whatsoever. That's the attitude. And some of y'all will be like, man, that's hard, man. It's hard. It is hard. Because not only does the world have problems, but we all have individual problems. We all have individual stress. Right? You know, you got family members that have issues and things that have nothing to do with what the world problems are. I think God's big enough to handle all of that. And we need to live like we believe that. Wouldn't y'all agree with that? So if you're not saved, then you're like, you're kind of at a disadvantage. A big disadvantage because you can't have the attitude of Christ if you haven't submitted to him as Lord. The Bible says to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins so that God can offer you his forgiveness, give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and once that happens, you have everything you need to persevere in any part of this world.
for however long the Lord leaves you here. Isn't that great? If you haven't done that, now you, now's the time to do it. We can ha- make it happen right here. If you're online and you kind of feel like you need to do that, you can drive right over here. Call me on the phone. We'll get you fixed. We'll get you fixed up. We'll help you out. We're gonna sing a song. Y'all ready? Let's get let's get ready to sing, and then uh, we'll let God's people go. I love you, and the Lord loves you. I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna sing. Let's stand together. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. We thank you for a celebration of Jesus and his death and burial and resurrection, celebration of the Christian life, the faith that we have. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to us. No matter how many times we have to repent and and get back on the right path, you accept us back every time. We thank you for Jesus and his suffering because you love us. Help us, Lord, and give us strength today to walk uh, boldly, confidently and humbly in your name through this world that seems to be filled with darkness and wickedness help us be the light help us to love people regardless of what's going on between us around us or through us help us to arm ourselves with the attitude of jesus and father we give it all give all the glory to you in in jesus name amen